This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Good afternoon, good morning, depending on where and when you're listening to this uh, program. Maybe even good evening if you're listening to uh, to this show on podcast. We thank you for everything. Number of shoutouts last night around the NHL, or I shouldn't say last night, yesterday, because all the action got underway at noon Eastern. Luka Pakalukanen with the shout-out for the Buffalo Sabres over the San Jose Sharks. Have I mentioned how you might want to consider him as your starter in the heir apparent? Maybe ply his trade a little bit more in Rochester. Just an idea. We're going to talk a lot about goaltenders today. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of things today. We're going to talk a lot about goaltenders. And we'll talk about the games aboard this evening. We had 10 yesterday. We'll go over some of the, the keynotes from all of it. And the headline story coming out of yesterday is Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, the most charming netminder this side of Johnny Bauer, who I still maintain is the most popular hockey player to ever suit up for the Toronto Maple Leafs cross-generation. You know how there are players that have, like, their era of fan? You know, for Toronto, it's, you know, Wendell and Dougie. They have their era. Boreas Salming has his era, although he sort of transcends that, too. I should It's a bad example. Daryl Sittler, Lanny McDonald, Dave Keon, etc., Matt Sundin. Johnny Bauer goes through all of those generations. And you look at the effect that Marc-Andre Fleury has had on the NHL and a number of different teams and organizations and hockey fans, whether it's Pittsburgh, whether it's Vegas, whether it's now Minnesota, um, his legacy is intact. And it was great seeing that smile last night as the Minnesota Wild beat the uh, New York Islanders by a final score of 5 nothing. It was. It's always nice to watch Marc-Andre Fleury uh, give the tap to the crossbar or the post or the little kiss as well, which I still believe is a nod to Patrick Waugh, uh, who was one of his idols. And Patrick Waugh yesterday is no longer number two in all-time wins. That now belongs to Marc-Andre Fleury. Let's not even think about number one. That is Marty Berdur territory, period. And that one's not going to be touched. We all know that. I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play for another 10 years uh, to approach that. I don't think anybody is. Just the nature of how the position is played right now and the way that... I don't know. What's the term? Load management works now with goaltenders around the NHL. You just won't get in the games. You just won't get the games to get that record. That's going to be. That's going to go down as one of those records, much like Glenn Hall's consecutive game streak is not going to be touched. But nonetheless, Marc-Andre Fleury, win number 552, passes Patrick Waugh for second overall. Interesting other goalie story in that game was good to see Ken Appleby uh, in that in relief for the New York Islanders has not played a game in the NHL going back to January 25th, 2018. Uh, I can still remember watching Appleby in the final game at Le Colisee in Quebec City. It was Memorial Cup final. Uh, it was uh, Anthony Sorelli with two goals in that game, including the overtime winner defeating Leon Dreisaitl's Kelowna Rockets. Yes, Anthony Sorelli scoring the last goal uh, in the history of that building. Ken Appleby was the netminder, so I always sort of smile to myself uh, when I hear the name Ken Appleby, or as is the case yesterday, uh, see Ken Appleby back in net on an NHL team. So congrats to the, the Minnesota Wild, who desperately needs some wins here ASAP. You saw Bill Guerin yesterday talking about not throwing in the towel on the season. And the team needs to play better. And they're getting bodies back right now. Jonas Brodin comes back. Karol Kaprizov back as well. Good to see Brodin yesterday. But it's going to be a tough slog uh, for Minnesota. Vancouver at the end of a long road trip. You can understand it. 4-3 to three is the final. They lose to the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's a shootout winner um, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And afterwards, Elvis Merzlikens essentially telling people, yeah, I know I positioned it as, you know, we've had a discussion and mutually have agreed and need to find a different scenario for me. 
But to put it bluntly, yeah, I asked for a trade. <laughs> this is what we agree we're going to say publicly. And then Elvis Merzlikens, in true Elvis Merzlikens fashion, just says, yeah, you guys know I asked for a trade. Uh, a lot of things to get to today. Danny Gare stops by at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada. He is a big part of it, including his uh, his rink company out in BC, uh, creating the synthetic ice that Ron McLean uh, will be on on Saturday. Brian Lawton stops by from the NHL Network, former NHL general manager, former NHL player, former NHL agent. He's kind of done the tour around a lot of the stops and positions in hockey. And also Bobby Holik will stop by, former NHLer, um, former coach of the Israeli national team as well. Uh, I can't even pretend to be impartial on this one. Uh, on the IIHF's um, ridiculous ridiculous policy of suspending uh, Israeli teams from competing at world championships, whether it's uh, the men's side, whether it's the women's side, whether it's the U-20 side as well. Bobby Holik weighs in in hour two. Uh, in the meantime, Elliot Friedman stops by from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Hello, Frege. Okay, I got a question for you about pull-ups. About pull-ups? Okay, sure. How many can you do? Uh... I'm not great at pull-ups. Probably, I don't know, 20? 20. If you can do 20 pull-ups, don't tell me you're not great at pull-ups. That is freaking fantastic. If I'm not. 20 pull-ups. No, it's not. That, yes, it is. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. No, tr- dude. Trust me, the people that I that I work out with, like I'm going after the show here to the gym, and I'm, I don't think it's it's I think it's a leg day for me today. But pull ups, like it's not my, it's not my strong suits. Trust me, well, I got guys that rip something. off. Like the one what, what of the what, one of the internal competitions is get to the century mark. Like that's one of the things that's like the that check the box and okay, like congratulations. Like at our spot, like the uh, guys will train just to do just to do a hundred consecutive. I'm at twenty. Well, I got to tell you something. You're being at 20 pull-ups is pretty freaking impressive to me. Like, I was getting up to 15 with the band, and now I'm doing them without the band, and I'm just at the gym now. And <laughs> let me just say, I am doing a significantly less number than 20. Holy smokes, Merrick. Yeah. That is really impressive. One of, the, one of the key things for it, too, is work on your grip strength. I keep telling you, I, I have my kids doing this all the time. The more you can work on your grip strength, it helps you with everything in sports uh, and everything in the gym and things like pull-ups as well. If you have good grip strength, man, pull-ups, uh, pull-ups can really be your friend. Um, anything else about the gym today? What, uh, what else are we doing? Lat raises, uh, incline, uh, incline chest press. What are we doing today? I actually did an incline chest press. I just finished, actually. Very good. I've also been doing nice. a lot more... I've also been doing a lot more stuff with barbells. Like I've never really lifted with them before, but I'm starting to yeah. just to see. And uh, I'm going to be doing a barbell shrug after this, so that's another one of my uh, things today. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I, I I've known you for a long time, and I know when you get into when you get into something, you go full on. Like if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. It's going to be really soon where Hang on a second. Doesn't matter. You know, the the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time was yesterday, or right yeah. now. Um, I am gonna get a text from you one day saying, "Hey, what what do you know about squat shoes? What do you know about weight belts?" Like all of a sudden, you're gonna turn into that guy. Why I don't does? Think so. Why is? Why is? Uh, why is why is Elliot's screensaver a shot of Arnold from uh, 
from 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 his from his heyday in competition. Um, a couple of things from around the NHL, and I do want to get to some of the goalie situations. I want to talk about Mark Andre Fleury from last night. We should probably sure. park a little more time to talk about Elvis Merzlikens as well. But yeah. um, just before hopping on, another Chicago Blackhawks made. Um, a little bit of a surprise announcement, um, considering I would imagine, Elliot, that a lot of teams would have been calling for Jason Dickinson. Uh, it is a two-year contract extension. It is $8.5 million, so the AAV yep. is 4.25. Jason Dickinson, who's having a really nice season with Chicago, remains a member of the Hawks. True or false, teams were more than a little bit interested or at least curious about Dickinson in Chicago. Oh, I think that's definitely true. And what this all says to me is that the Blackhawks knew what the market was. And, um, you know, like they have a lot of picks and prospects. Um, it it kind of, you know, like I had someone said to me this morning, like, why would you keep a player like that when you can get another pick? And I think if the Blackhawks were bereft of draft picks, um, they might have thought that way. Um, you know, what's Jason Dickinson going to get you? And you're probably not a first unless there's suddenly a huge bidding war. Like, that's not happening. Yeah. So you're looking at a second or a third. And the teams that are talking about a second-round pick are talking about a late second-round pick probably, right? So uh, I think, mm. you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, Jeff, what's Ottawa looking for right now? Pros. What's that's, Buffalo always yeah. thinking about? Pros. Like, to go, and I just think, you know, around the dark, you need some pros. Not that he needs a good example set for him. He knows what he's doing, but you need some guys who, who can do some heavy lifting. You know, the one thing about Felino, like I was wondering if Felino would say, you know what, like we talked about this, I think, on one of the pods. I'm 36 years old. I want to chase the Stanley Cup. Uh, I will say it's tough to turn down $9 million when it's thrown at you. Um, and I think ultimately, yeah. you know, we'll see where this goes next season. But um, I just think the Blackhawks... Even though, like like I said, even though Bedard knows what he's doing, you need someone to do the heavy lifting around him. And I guess that's what Chicago's decided. It's just a late second-round pick or something or a late third-round pick. We might as well keep the play. Yeah. You know, one of the things I thought of, um, and I think you're right to couple the uh, the Nick Foligno, Jason Dickinson signings together. Yeah. Um, my thought on this morning when I saw Dickinson was they want to create as much stability and familiar faces around Connor Bedard as possible. Like, Foligno yep. is working with Chicago. Let's keep him. Dickinson is working with Chicago. Let's keep him. Create that environment where... You know, he's not walking into the to the dressing room every day or every couple of weeks and seeing a bunch of new faces. I, I wonder if that's part of the play here. It's not just, yeah, they're playing well for us, but also let's create a stable environment around Connor Bedard. And I, it, it's it, it's that I think, uh, Jeff. But I think it's also on the ice. Just have some guys who can do some things, so he doesn't have to do everything. Look, like he's he's yeah. your best offensive player. He's probably already your best player too. But just surround them with some mm-hmm. capable bodies. And, uh, you know, Chicago's not going to be a cap team. You know, they, you, they're not, you know, you look at all these contracts there for two more years when they're going to have to sign uh, Bedard for eight years at $11 billion, like Pedersen. And, you know, then he goes mm-hmm. out and he gets, you know, like he goes out and he gets. And then you figure out what you have around him. Like right now, while he's on his ELC, be smart about it, and that's what Chicago's trying to do. 
Okay, uh, a couple of other things around the uh, NHL. Oh, sort of dovetailing Chicago. Um, you know, it's almost like we're doing you know daily Corey Perry updates here. But does it seem really warm in Edmonton um, with? Corey Perry right now. We'll see Edmonton play Toronto, uh, one of the 10 games on the board later on tonight. Uh, but does it seem really warm between those two sides or am I reading the tea leaves incorrectly? I, I don't know if I would say you're reading the tea leaves incorrectly. I, like, you know, I, I think, like I said, I think everybody's doing their due diligence here. I just think one of the questions is is Perry going to want somewhere quieter? You know, like Toronto's a loud mm. market. I don't think that's going to work. Edmonton's a a louder market, though I definitely believe they have interest. Um, like, are there going to be some teams in quieter situations? Like, I think I think there's two things at play here. Number one, teams just doing their work, making sure. And number two, him doing his work, what kind of situation appeals to him. And uh, uh, I know that that's one of the things that's come up. Um, you know, does, does he want something a bit quieter? Okay, speaking of the Edmonton Oilers, so Jonathan Willis, uh, who writes uh, occasionally, wish he'd write more, uh, for The Athletic, mm-hmm. tweeted this one out earlier today. NHL teams' best record last 25 games. Okay, all NHL teams' best yep. record last 25 games. Number one, Edmonton Oilers, 19-6. and six. Mm-hmm. Number two, Winnipeg Jets, 18-5-2. Number three, Vancouver Canucks, 16-6-3. And And then adds, not only are the three best Canadian teams, but with the Flames over 500, 13-10-2, this has to be one of the best regular season segments for Western Canada ever. Now, you and I remember the high-flying Smythe division from the 80s, and there was Edmonton, there was Calgary, and there was Winnipeg. I remember Wayne Gretzky once telling me on Hockey Night in Canada Radio that if Winnipeg had a goaltender, they would have been right there uh, with those other two teams. Uh, do you have a thought on the last 25 games here for the Oilers, the Jets, and the Vancouver Canucks? Do you think all three of them have the staying power? I do. Um, number one, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Vancouver and their PDO. Um, you know, I, to me, I've looked at that to me, the PDO is a lot like the housing bubble. Um, you know it's going to burst at some point, but it's a guess for yeah. everybody when that is, right? Uh, people think they know, yep. they don't know. Maybe they're just on a season-long vendor, and maybe it never changes. But what I do see from the Canucks, as I see they're getting really good goaltending from Demko and DeSmith, even though they lost yesterday, DeSmith has given them a lot of good starts. Um, I think they... Their best players have been great all year. Um, I, I just think Vancouver is a good team, and they've really bought into what their coach is teaching. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Winnipeg, I think they've got one of the best goalies in the league, a good backup again who gives them good games. And the thing I really like about them is they played really well when Connor was out. Like, that's a huge player for them, and he's coming back now. But... You know, yep. that's a good sign for me. They played well for him. And Edmonton is just Edmonton. They're healthy. Like, I, like I, think, and I think all of these teams are going to look to add Jeff. I do. I think, I think Vancouver is going to look for maybe another top six forward and maybe some depth. I think Edmonton is going to look for some depth. Uh, I think Winnipeg. I, I'm really curious to see what Winnipeg decides to do because I think that they've got – you know, they've got one of the best third lines in the league. They've got Connor coming back. 
But I just think they'll try yeah. to add a, something here and there. I think all these teams are good, Jeff, and I think they all have a chance to add something to make themselves even better. You know, the one thing I always wonder about here, though, Jeff, is especially with a team like Winnipeg, it's very obvious their chemistry is, is very good. And I always look at it like everybody wants to be better, right? Everybody wants to add better pieces, but you don't want to do anything that throws off a chemistry. And the Jets seem to have very yeah. special chemistry this year. You know, and I'm not saying it's these players' faults, what happened uh, last year in the opening round, but you look at the Boston Bruins, who had that incredible regular season last year, and then it was bring in Orloff, bring in Bertuzzi, bring in Hathaway, and I can't help but thinking, like, I know they were one shot away from advancing to the second round. That Brad Marchand breakaway is, you know, one of the more, most famous breakaways of, of this generation. If he scores on that, it's a whole different ball game. But I can't help but thinking, you know, I wonder how much damage there was done to that Boston Bruins chemistry that they had when they were just destroying teams. Elliot, I know you're bringing in good players, and that's your default, and you want to go for it. Yeah. But, man, I, 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 I really do wonder if that did something, changed something with the Boston Bruins that led to their demise against the Florida Panthers. Okay, Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre yeah. Fleury, finally... Uh, surpasses Patrick Waugh for second all-time and wins. It is 5.52, and he's kissing crossbars, and he's smiling, and the family, and then the whole deal is just beautiful. They beat the Islanders yesterday 5-0. There were a number of shutouts yesterday around the NHL. Do you just have a, a quick thought on, on Marc-Andre Fleury, and is this really going to be it? Like, it's not as if Marc-Andre Fleury's out there embarrassing himself. This guy can still very much play. We know what the goalie market is like right now. Everybody's looking for a goaltender. There's one who's on yep. an expiring deal. Thoughts on Marc-Andre Fleury? Well, I think as long as Minnesota, like, I, if you listen to Bill Guerin yesterday, they're not giving up on their season yet, right? So, mm-hmm. to me, the first question is, when does Minnesota get to a point where they say, we don't need Marc-Andre Fleury because we're not competing this year? So that's the first thing that has to happen is do the Wild get to a place where they say, okay, we're pulling the shoot on this year, and they might get to it soon, mm-hmm. but they're not there now. So that's the number one question I ask. You know, number two, I don't know, I don't know how Fleury would feel about it. Like, it took... It took a bit of work last time when he got traded from Chicago to Minnesota, even though it turned out great for yeah. him, Jeff. Initially, he didn't want to go. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, to me, that's the biggest question. Does Fleury come to a place where he says, even more what Minnesota does, it's what Fleury feels. And to this point, you know, we don't know that he's agreed to anything. And I absolutely think there would be interest if he did. Um, he's shown that he's a very good teammate. Uh, with Minnesota and Chicago in the last little bit. Uh, but I think that uh, it comes down to him. And as far as I know, he hasn't given any indication yet that he's willing to even consider it. So until that happens, you know, we can't really look into it. What did you make of Bill Guerin yesterday, essentially saying, now we're not throwing in the towel. I know where we are in the standings. I know we're on the wrong side of 500, but we're not throwing in the towel yet. Well, I thought it was very Garen. Like, that's one thing. Like, I, I've never known yeah. Bill Garen to utter the words retreat uh, once in, uh, in, in my life that I've known him. Um, you know, like we talked about it on the pod. It's just a real hard season for Minnesota on and off the ice. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see where this first is going. Hang on, we're going to give Elliot a call back here. He's uh, he's at a tough spot in the gym right now. Maybe he's moved on to leg press, and his phone is kind of kicking out. We'll uh, we'll call Elliot back at the uh, at the gym and uh, and get him back here on the program. But I, I think the Minnesota Wild to pick up the uh, the point that Elliot was making here. Like you may look at it and say against all odds, because it is against all odds, and one of those odds is the fourteen million dollars of dead cap space uh, that they have to work with. Like that's the team that starts the season with one skate tied behind its thigh as they kick off the season. They don't have that money that everybody else has. Uh, I know everybody else has their, you know, cap issues, but it's, it's interesting when you're the general manager of the Minnesota wild with those two buyouts, your margin for error is real slim and you can't make any mistakes. You don't have the luxury of making mistakes on your salary cap because you're already down 14 M and it's really going to end up stinging you. Uh, uh, we have Elliot back there. Uh, did you move on to, to leg press? What did you move on to? Or maybe you've gone for a swim right now and the phone's underwater. Uh, no, I, I must have moved into a bad spot in the gym. So it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Um, you know, the one thing, I, he, you know, the thing I'm curious about now is Spurgeon. And, uh, you know, Garen yes. said yesterday that Spurgeon, I'll know this week, or he might have an update in a couple of days. So, I mean, if you've been around long enough, you know what that means. It means they're looking, they're getting opinions yeah. on what's wrong with someone, and they're hoping it's not going to be that bad. And like, I just look at Minnesota. If Spurgeon can't play the rest of the year, he's had a really tough year with injuries. I, I just that's going to be really hard for them to overcome. Really hard. He's their best defenseman. More minutes for Brock Faber. Can he play forty a night, Elliot? Can he play forty-five actually, a night? Can he go? You know. Actually, <laughs> Actually, you know what? I probably should say he's their best defenseman. And, uh, yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, although I will say this. I, I think that favor for a change actually looks a little bit human now. Um, it's been a lot for yeah. him, and he's been phenomenal. Like, what a player he's going to be. And uh, a, great, a smart yeah. play by Minnesota to identify him as a player to trade for for Fiala. But even I like he, he, I look at him lately, and I'm like, oh, for a few for a few minutes there, he actually looked human, um, and uh, he looked like yeah. he needed a little bit of a break. The cape came off when he put the glasses back on, just for a couple of shifts. Uh, <laughs> Montreal shifts. over Colorado on our network yesterday, just for a couple of shifts. 4-3 is the final score. Uh, nice win for the Montreal Canadiens. Happy for them. Well, we talk about Colorado now. Part of the conversation has to be Valeri Nichushkin, and we hope the yep. best for him as he has joined uh, the NHL, NHLPA Players Assistance Program. That's primary. You always cheer for the player and hope the best for him, and we hope that he gets the uh, the appropriate help that he needs. From a hockey point of view, that throws another sort of wrench in the spokes here for the Avalanche, whether it's uh, looking for help on the second line, whether it's looking for help between the pipes. Now they're also down Valeri Nachushkin. Your thoughts on the Colorado situation and how this changes, or maybe doesn't change, their outlook on what they do in, in advance of trade deadline? Well, I think one thing, they already felt that they're a bit top-heavy. You know, if, if you take a look at it, their top guys, McKinnon, Nachushkin, uh, Rantanen, they're playing some of the most minutes of all forwards in the NHL. So, yeah. you know, what's, what this says to me, they're going to be without them for probably around a month at least, and other people are going to get opportunities. I think we're all expecting the Avalanche to add anyway, whether it's Lindholm or someone else down the road. Uh, 
I think we're all expecting for the playoffs they're going to add. But I'll tell you, Jeff, like you talked about the Jets. I, I really believe that one spot in the central is going to be critical. Like that, that two, like not that any of these playoff matchups are easy, but that two, three yeah. in the central, it's Winnipeg, Dallas, yeah. Colorado, you are going to want to avoid that if you can. We'll see what happens there. Um, a couple of other things from last night real quick. Los Angeles Kings finally win a hockey game. Yep. They defeat the Carolina Hurricanes 5-2. Trevor Moore with a pair of goals here, who becomes the first Californian to score 20 goals with a Californian-based team. Uh, other Californians scoring 20 goals, Austin Matthews, mm. Jason Robertson, and Jason Zucker as well. We saw Yaniv Peretz uh, come on uh, in relief yesterday for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Kings finally snap one. It's interesting, you know, on the podcast, you talked about Doughty, you know, responding to tweets, questioning, you know, who should be traded on the Los Angeles Kings, etc. And the very next game, L.A. goes out there and snaps their losing streak, Elliot. Yeah, um, you know, like I said, Twitter randos, they, they win games. There's, there's no question. You know, someone sent me a DM saying Dowdy did nothing. I looked, he played 29 minutes in a, in a 5-2 game. Like, yeah. he didn't do nothing yesterday. Um, well, you know, L.A. needs that in the worst way. You know what I'm wondering about here is Kaliev. That's a guy I'm kind of wondering about sense? right now. Well, he's not playing. Um and yeah. you know, uh, you know, he's and you know, it looked like this year they found a really nice niche spot for him, but he hasn't been uh, playing lately. So I wonder what his future there is. Boy, Trevor Moore has turned into a hell of a player, though, like an absolutely oh, so tremendous player. Tremendous. I, uh, that's wow. a guy I bet the least to probably look back at and say, I wish we held yeah. on to him. Uh, he's he's really turned into a tremendous player. He's been exceptional for he uh, honestly like I know when we talk about LA we talk about Doughty and we'll talk about Kopitar and lately we'll talk about Byfield and you mentioned Fiala a couple of seconds ago uh, honestly Elliot Trevor Moore has been their best player like from day 1 to last night Trevor Moore consistently has been LA Kings best player agree or disagree I agree with that uh, I really agree with that um I think that uh and you know why? He's relentless. Uh, like even if he, like he scores, yeah. obviously, as you said, the 20 goals, but he's always on the forecheck. He's always winning battles. Um, you know, I, I, really, I really like the player a lot. A really good player. Uh, L.A. back in action tonight against the uh, against the Dallas Stars, one of eight on the board around the NHL. You know, the last game of the evening, you know, maybe the one that holds the most intrigue and as far as potential goes, it may end up being the game of the night. We'll see how it goes, although the Toronto Maple Leafs have uh, propensity to squander leads lately. Uh, it's the Maple Leafs kicking off a road trip here that's going to see them play Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, and they kick it off tonight against Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, who have won 10 games in a row, we should mention as well, and are very much uh, starting to cement themselves in a, in a significant playoff position. Uh, your thoughts, I mean, on the, on the podcast, you talked about how this should be a, or is it yesterday on the show? I can't recall. Uh, okay. This should be a national game. The only crime, the, the only, it was podcast. Yeah, the only crime here is that, you know, this, one, this one's regional and not national. When you have McDavid and Matthews going head-to-head, everybody should be able to watch this one, Elliot. Well, you know, first of all, we talk to each other so much, we can't remember if it's on the podcast or the radio I show. Know. So I, compl- I completely understand that problem. 
Yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, I obviously don't want to belabor the point, but I, I do feel that, um, uh, you know, that this is a prime matchup. And the other thing about it, Jeff, I really love about it is that uh, those two guys really get wired for playing against each other. Um, I think the greats always do. Uh, when you have great player against great player, do you remember that year that uh, you, I'm sure you do that Gretzky and Messier, uh, the Vancouver played the Rangers and, and Gretzky lit up the lit, lit up the Canucks in one of the games and Messier lit up the Rangers in the other game. Like those are like we forget sometimes that how the, these guys all have great respect for each other, but they absolutely want to kill one another. And I would expect mm-hmm. nothing less than that tonight from Matthews and McDavid. Those guys will be wired to go at each other. For, uh, two of the best players in the game. If anybody needed any reminding of that, the opening draw for this season should tell you all you need to know about superstars and competitive juices. It's one of the most famous face-offs of recent memory, uh, Sidney Crosby and Connor Bedard, and there was no way Sidney Crosby was going uh, to lose that draw. Um, Can you, and they end on this one, can you figure out the New York Islanders? This is a team that... that that, that, That's an awful performance. it was real bad. I, I, I still stand by, you know, them having the, the, the weirdest looking record of any team in the NHL, 1914 and 10. 558 points percentage on this one. Uh, they have a really hard time defending, uh, which is strange because it's a Lou Lamarillo team. Um, and it seems as if, you know, they have players that can score up front and then it's, you know, Ilya Sorokin to the rescue in their own zone. Can you figure out the Islanders, Elliot? No, I, uh, I, I can't. Um, I don't, I mean, games like that, like that's, that was, that was just really, really ugly. And I think the Islanders, the way they play, they really shouldn't have games like that. I mean, everybody can have a stinker, right? But you don't think it's coming after yeah. you lost a heartbreaker in Nashville. you got to think if you're having a stinker, it's not after a game like that one. And especially since Minnesota's coming off like a 6 nothing loss to Arizona. Like, it's an, yeah. like that's an 11-goal swing. You're not you're, – you're really disappointed if you have a performance like that one. I, I just think the way the Islanders play, um, that shouldn't be happening after a game like that. Absolutely. Okay, uh, got to hustle. Danny Gare's coming up on the other side. One of your favorite Buffalo Sabers from uh, from yesteryear, Elliot. Uh, be part of Scotia Bank Hockey Day in Canada coming up this weekend in Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, okay, Fridge, we'll uh, we'll see you in Victoria. Talk then. All right, buddy. Take care.